Broadcasting from the Superbook Sports Studios, KDUS AM 1060, Tempe, Phoenix, and KSLX HD2, Scottsdale, Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. Worrying about Micah Parsons, they've got other good players to hurt you. Here's Dobbs with room to the edge, and Joshua Dobbs gallops down the sideline, makes the cut inside the 30. 43 yards for Joshua Dobbs. Extra offensive lineman, Raekwon O'Neal. Fake it. Smith floats it. Touchdown! Three and two now. And a swing and a miss. Vaughn with a sinker. Big movement on that fastball. Strikeout number nine. Kimbrell deals at 0-1. That's into center field. It's down. In the score is Smith. And the Diamondbacks walk off the Phillies in game three. Cattell Marte. Takes a victory lap. The 1-1. And Bregman clubs this one pretty deep to right center field. Tavares on his horse. He won't get there. That's into the gap and hits the wall on a hop. That'll score Altuve. Dubon tearing around third. He will score as well. In the third with a two-run triple is Alex Bregman. And the Astros have a 2-0 lead. Bregman slides in just ahead of Young's tag. Here's the pitch. Swing and a drive. Three-pointer from way downtown. Palakaye, si senor Abreu. A three-run shot. What a big hit. It's 7-3 Astros. The 0-1. Chopper left side. Bregman to his left coming in. Bobbles for a moment. Rose to first. Low scooped out by Abreu. And that is the ball game. This ALCS is all even at two games apiece after the Astros defeat the Rangers for a second straight day, winning game four by a final of 10-3. to Lawrence fires. That's caught on the run. Christian Kirk inside the 20. He goes, and Christian Kirk takes the ball all the way to about the one-yard line. They're going to spot it as he thinks he scored the touchdown. And they're going to call it a touchdown now. Fourth and goal on fourth down. Again to the end zone. All kinds of contact there. Pass is ruled incomplete. Everybody wants in the stadium a flag. You got Buster Brown there with Chris Olave. All legal. Under pressure. Golf was protected. St. Brown has it. Needs to get to the 14-yard line, and he will. Craig Reynolds through the big block, and St. Brown works all the way downfield for the touchdown. Ravens have it at the 10. Jackson takes it himself for the touchdown. Ravens get the turnover, and they instantly turn it into points. This time in the shotgun. Play fake. Aller to the end zone. Touchdown. Penn State. Khalil Dinkins. To the bottom of the screen. 
Backpedaling. McCord lofting for the end zone. Caught. That's a touchdown. Marvin Harrison Jr. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Friday, October 20th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and Castlux HD 2 100.7. Cardinals, Seahawks, who you got Sunday? ATS in Seattle. Diamondbacks, do they beat the Phillies again tonight? Astros, Rangers, who wins the now deadlocked ALCS? The Jags, should they be concerned or considered, excuse me, considered, big difference. Should they be considered among the AFC elite? Also, predict any game on this week's pro or college football schedule. And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on this show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we'll have the introduction of today's pipeline. 9.15, we'll have a Cardinals Seahawks preview. Greg Bell scheduled to join us from, I think he's still at the News Tribune in Tacoma. Um, you know, that's a paywall now, <laughs> as, I, as I found out last night. 9.30, interactive action at 602-260-1060 and also the local roundup, including a Diamondbacks and Phillies, uh, some Diamondbacks and Phillies Game 3 analysis. Final segment of the Sports Zone will be the National Roundup, top by from the MLB scoreboard, the NFL because there was a game last night. More on that in a moment. Uh, then after the sports zone from 10 to noon, it's the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. That include the uh, the weekly Friday spread brought to you by Van, uh, Von Hansen's Meats and Spirits, plus our weekly NFL prop bout update with Brian Blue as the Pro Football Network. All right, right now, before we go any further, on to the pipeline we go, which I guess is going on further. Time for today's Pipeline, where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. All right, we begin with the KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question is who you got on Sunday? In Seattle, the Cardinals plus 7.5 for the Seahawks minus 7.5. And Kayla, what do we have here? 57% of the vote is on the Seahawks minus 7.5. 43% is on the Cardinals plus 7.5. The numbers, the point spreads in this game have uh, varied, to say the least, throughout the week, including there were numbers as high as nine in multiple sports books as recently as Wednesday. And uh, down to seven and a half yesterday, I looked into thinking, well, how could this have happened? I don't think anybody thinks Kyler Murray's playing this week. Uh, but it went from nine in several places on Wednesday to seven and a half by yesterday afternoon. Today's Twitter poll question, do the Diamondbacks beat the Phillies a second straight day? And Kayla, what's happening here? We have the masses on the yes side of things at 66.7% of the vote, no sitting at 33.3%. Twitter at KDOS AM 1060. Amazing what happens in one day. This was like, what, 80-something percent against the Diamondbacks yesterday? Okay. Uh, the Diamondbacks have scored just five runs the first three games, but... They deadlocked. Uh, they can deadlock the series today, thanks to the outstanding pitching of Brandon Fott, by far his best start of his rookie season, and the bullpen, which has been mostly effective for a few weeks now. Meanwhile, the road team in the ALCS is four and zero, 
Houston led from start to finish in Thursday's 10-3 victory uh, at Arlington against the Texas Rangers. So who wins the now road-dominated Astros and Rangers series? One more game in Arlington today, and then two games if necessary, at least one if necessary for sure, in Houston uh, on Sunday and Monday. I'm pretty sure it's Sunday and Monday at this point. Meanwhile, uh, back to the uh, continuing, I was spanning the globe part, uh, the part of the show. Uh, the Jags won their fourth consecutive game last night. They did all that in an 11-day span, by the way. They won two games in London. They won one game in Jacksonville, and they won last night 31-24 at New Orleans. Should the now 5-2 Jags be considered among the AFC elite? On the Sunday slate, there are six teams on bye this week. There are uh, three three matchups, which I, I'm intrigued, at least going in. Detroit at Baltimore, Chargers at Kansas City. I will either offensive line in that game block anybody, I think is an interesting question and a legitimate question. And then Sunday night, Miami at Philadelphia. Hopefully Philadelphia get back some of their key injured players from last week. And uh, it looks like some of those guys are trending on the positive side for this week. Saturday, there are four top 25 matchups, top by Penn State and Ohio State, which we previewed in uh, detail earlier this week. Also, Tennessee at Alabama. That's a revenge game for the Tide. Nick Saban had never lost to Tennessee as the Alabama coach until last season. Duke at Florida State. Florida State has never lost to Duke ever. And Utah is at USC. Of course, Utah won both meetings last year, including the Pac-12 championship game. Predict any game on this week's uh, college or pro schedule, preferably against the spread. Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, what else caught your eye since our last show? That's the pipeline for today with all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else on your mind falls into the general discussion category. So whether it is from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602 260-1060, 260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060 or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules, or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this. All right, coming up next, Corey, we'll have a news update. That'll be followed by a Cardinals-Seahawks preview with Greg Bell of the Tacoma News Tribune. Once again, at the bottom of the hour, it will be phone call time, general discussion, 602-260-1060. And also, we'll get to some local roundup, at least a little bit on the Diamondbacks and Phillies Game 3. Some analysis from the uh, extravaganza yesterday afternoon. A lot going on in that game for a game that was 2-1. <laughs> so, uh couple things we'll get into for sure in that segment and maybe some other local roundup items depending on phone call volume you're listening to sports with bob kemp on kdus am 1060 and kiss lux hd 2 100.7 AM 1060 is the home to the Dan Patrick Show, the Doug Gottlieb Show, and Sports Map Radio. Catch all the sports content here on AM 1060. All 
All right, welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KS Lux HD 2 100.7. You're home to the Dan Patrick Show, live Monday through Friday from 6 to 9 a.m. The Cardinals AFC West Roadshow. That's probably not real accurate. Roadshow, not quite accurate. They're on the road again this week. How about that? Uh, they play at Seattle on Sunday. Out to the KDUS hotline we go. Don't think it's a road show at all. They wish it was a road show. Now joined in the sports zone by Greg Bell, the Tacoma News Tribune. And Greg, always good to have you on the show. I'm having difficulty assessing the Seahawks because of the offensive line injuries and the defense looked like the 85 Bears against the Giants. I know they're not quite that good. So I, I really have no clue what to make of the Seahawks at this point. And then I was even more confused watching the Bengals game last week. So, Greg, you got to help me out here. What do you think of the Seahawks after the first five games? Well, hi, good morning. They are much better than they even may, they may have expected on defense, at least have been so far. They've stopped the run. They were 30th in the league last year doing that. Another number one yards per carry allowed, 3.2 yards per carry. It was the off-season focus. They spent a ton of money. Brought Bobby Wagner back. They did their defensive line with only one returning starter in the front seven. And it's worked, at least so far. Jaron Reed at nose tackle has been very good. Jamont Jones, a big-ticket free agent from Denver, has been very good. And so far, so good defensively. And they really were encouraged, as encouraging as a loss to that's what it was in Cincinnati for them because of how the defense played. They allowed two touchdowns in the first two drives for Joe Brew and company in Cincinnati, and then nothing for the rest of the game. The final 42 minutes, the only points Cincinnati scored was on a field goal that Geno Smith's interception gave them, and Cincinnati got a zero-yard drive to those points. So defensively, they are almost reassured in that all that they did in the offseason so far is working Number five overall pick, Devin Witherspoon, has been fantastic Yeah, so far in his first four games. And he's playing nickel, and not a lot of rookies do that. He's playing in, in passing downs. He goes inside a nickel. They're having 85 90% of the time almost nickel because of how good he's been and the fact that he can also tackle against the run. So the offense, as you know, Smith had a really bad day in Cincinnati, and that's been the concern this week Red zone, third down, and just being better offensively. You mentioned the offense. You know they've obviously had some offensive line injuries. Uh, yeah, you know, I understand this is a not a great question, but how much of that offensive line has hindered the and slowed down the offense? Well, yes, mostly and the protection issues against Cincinnati led to a lot of things. You know, Smith making poor decisions. Really, really bad decision. Not throwing the two wide open receivers. He had DK Metcalf in the second quarter. He had Jackson Smith and Jigba, their first round draft pick, open in the left slot for a touchdown in the second half and didn't throw the ball. He threw two interceptions, which was twice as many as he had for the season going into that game. And he got sacked four times and hit quite a bit. They've had, they have not had their starting tackles play since week one. When Charles Cross and Abe Lucas both got injured. Lucas won't play on Sunday. He's still on injured reserve. Charles Cross came back last week at Cincinnati, but Jake Curran is still the right tackle, or at least has been. He played hurt. He got twisted an ankle in the first quarter and played on that, and the Bengals really victimized him. Uh, their both starting guards have been injured for the last several weeks. 
Damian Lewis, the left guard, is likely to come back to play for the first time a couple weeks after an ankle injury. On the right side, Phil Haynes played hurt last week. He may not play this week. The, really the only constant that's been at center, Evan Brown, who signed in the offseason for Detroit, and now Brown's hurt. He hasn't practiced all week because of a hip injury. They could end up having to go with their rookie fifth-round pick with Timmy at center, who's the center of the future. They really like him. He may end up getting his first career start on Sunday against the Cardinals. Wow, that's a lot of stuff. It's even more than I thought. So, yeah, Geno Smith, uh, I think it's safe to say, has been up and down so far this season. Uh, you know, how much of that is because of the injuries? Is there maybe a little concern or wonderment of whether you know we're finding out why he was a backup quarterback for so many years? Well, I, I don't know if it's fair to judge him after so many line offensive line issues, and they haven't really committed to a running game yet. Kenneth Walker. And Zach Charbonnet are supposed to be the one-two running offense for Seattle, and they haven't used them consistently at all. And Shane Waldron, their offense coordinator, play caller, tends to just forget about them at times. They don't run the ball as consistently as Pete Carroll has said he wants to, and really as they need to. When Smith was so good last year on his way to a Pro Bowl in the playoffs, it's when Walker was running the ball and getting 100-yard games, making defenses really honest and having to play both run and pass. And when Seattle is not running, the defenses will tee off on this offensive line. And that has always been a problem back before Russell Wilson. And Wilson at times used to extend plays, create plays with the offensive line, really not doing anything for him. Smith is not that type of quarterback. And he does need a running game and some protection in order to not get himself into mistakes like that game. Now, having said that, the Bengals game almost was a one-off. He was—he's been so generally good this first year plus as Seattle starter that the Seahawks do have reason to believe because Cincinnati was a one-off and an anomaly. But look for Seattle to run the ball more than they have this season on Sunday to try to get that offense back balanced. Of course, then the Cardinals gave up 200 yards rushing to one guy right. in the second half last week. <laughs> so I'm sure that contributes uh, to the uh, you know, the running the running the ball maybe more this week. Greg Bell, the Tacoma News Tribune, currently in the Sports Zone. Okay, so you mentioned Russell Wilson and uh, you know basically making plays uh, and out you know when pressured and so forth. The Cardinals fans have seen plenty of that over the years. They've also seen plenty of Tyler Lockett over the years. He's had some monstrous games against the Cardinals. Does he like start celebrating like on a Wednesday when they play the Cardinals during that same week? <laughs> You're right. He has had huge games against Arizona. Uh, he he and, Ty, and DK Metcalf have had something of an understated season so far. Not a lot of targets, not a lot of big plays down the field, and really the passing game in general has kind of been that way so far. It's as though there's a big game coming, the Seahawks would think, from Tyler Lockett. He's still very good on third down, really good in the red zone. Those are, those are the kind of things that if he has a big game, that's when he's doing it. Red zone and third down, and, and that is usually when defenses have a hard time stopping Tyler Lockett. Now, again, Geno Smith needs time and protection to wait for those kind of things to develop, and that's something he hasn't had this year. I know I've asked you this before. I'm going to ask you again. What, what impresses you most about Lockett? Just his ability to be get open. 
prolific as he's been. And he's, he's really durable. I mean, he has had some injuries. He broke his leg about six years ago on a Christmas Eve game against the Cardinals up here in Seattle. Uh, but aside from that, he's been pretty durable. He came back from a broken finger hand issue last year and missed just one game and came back quickly from it. And the teammates, of course, love him. He's, he's now the elder statesman of the team, the one who's been here the longest continuously. And he utmost respect. And when things are really breaking down, or when they really need to play, Geno Smith looks to 16 locket because of the trust that the entire team has for him. Greg, we're going to call you back because we're having some connection problems on our end, so we'll give you a real call back here in a couple seconds. So hang in there with us. Uh, once again, we'll get back to Greg Bell from the Tacoma News Tribune in a couple of moments. I've talked about this locket thing forever. I mean, actually, the Cardinals... Uh, especially when Patrick Peterson was here, have done a pretty good job against Metcalf for the most part. In fact, they did a really good job in a lot of those years. But uh, Lockett would just destroy them. Uh, you know, he was you know he lined up everywhere, you know, primarily in the slot. And the Cardinals have had you know, issues covering running backs and players in the slot for many years through many coaches and so forth. And Lockett seems to be the guy that has maybe feasted upon that as much as any uh, opponent the Cardinals have had uh, for many years. So uh, we'll see. Uh, they need to try to figure out how to change that. And the Cardinals obviously have had some issues covering people this year, no matter where they're you know, tight ends, running backs, or wide receivers. All right, uh, good to have you back. Thanks for hanging there with us. Uh, you mentioned Walker. Uh, how would you assess him? Uh, you know, being a four or five games now, I guess five games now, into his second year of the NFL. Well, this season again, I think, Bob, it's, it's tough to say where is Kenneth Walker when he's had seven, eight different offensive linemen and a bunch of fill-ins that blocked in front of him. He's very good at making something out of nothing. He's had a lot of nothing. He's had to have a lot of missed tackles in the backfield, a lot of waiting for blocks to develop and waiting and waiting. Sometimes they don't develop. I really I expect Seattle to run the ball more effectively, especially in the red zone, than they've tried to. And, again, they just have gotten away from the run uh, on early downs, in red zone. Part of the reason they've been so bad on third downs, they've had a lot of third and longs because they just either don't run the ball or haven't been effective doing it on early downs. I, I, every week I say, well, look for them to run the ball or try to recommit to the run. Uh, you mentioned Arizona's problem stopping the run. If there was ever a game here in the first six of the season that they would run the ball more, you think it would be this one. And that's mm-hmm. what I would expect. I expect a lot of Kenneth Walker on Sunday. Okay, we talked a little bit about You mentioned defense, and uh, certainly strong against the run. So I guess if you're an offensive coordinator, you would try to attack the Seahawks through the air. Well, their secondary is their defense. And I mentioned Witherspoon and Nickel. They have a Pro Bowl returner from last year as a rookie, Greek Woolen. Trey Brown had a very good game last week against Cincinnati. He made an interception on a back shoulder throw to Jamar Chase. It's very hard to do one-on-one. And then they've Jamal Adams. He just last week played his first complete game in 13 months after the quadricep issue and then the concussion on the Monday night game against the Giants. And they have a Pro Bowl safety named Quandre Diggs. There are a lot of reasons that they play five and six defensive backs so much. It's their base defense. And they think it's the strength of their team. They've improved the pass rush, at least the numbers-wise have improved the pass rush recently. They had an 11-sack game against the Giants, the tie team record. 
They had four sacks of Joe Burrow that really changed that game in Cincinnati. And Burrow had gone 17 of his first 19 passes, throwing really quickly. And then they dropped into coverage, the Seahawks did, and blitzed less. And Burrow missed on nine of his next 15 throws. And as I said, Cincinnati scored only three points the final 42 minutes of the game. So they think they've really defensively, both against the run and the pass, uh, gotten so much better and tougher for offenses to scheme against. If I was playing against Seattle, I would continue to test the the front and running the ball because so far this season, teams that have had to rely on the pass have had a hard time against the blitzing and the varied looks that Seattle has in the secondary. Uh, Joshua Dobbs, to me, running the ball is the key of the game for Sunday for Seattle defensively and for Arizona on offense. I know Connor not being there is a big deal, but if I was planning against Seattle, I'd run. And I'd run the quarterback. Yeah, you mentioned uh, you know this, the the Seahawks blitzing and, and you know doing things differently on defense. Is how much has that changed in the last couple of years or with this group? Well, they've completely changed. Schematically, they went a little bit more of a three-four last year. Now this year, but more of a four-man front. Uh, they play an over front where they slide to the offensive strength. They used to not do that. They, they have their, I mentioned Jaron Reed, nose tackle. Sometimes he's head up on the nose on the center. Sometimes he's shading. Sometimes he's on the off the guard shoulder. But they have outside linebackers as their primary pass rushers instead of defensive ends. No more of Cliff Averill, Michael Bennett, Chris Clemens, the defensive ends in the 4-3 that used to be the edge rushers. Now their primary edge rushers are outside <laughs> linebackers. It's uh, often stand-up. Chenin Wosu, Boye Mafe, Daryl Taylor. They've completely changed up front. They blitz a lot more than they used to. This used to be in their heyday, Super Bowl days, Legion of Boom days. It was a 4-3, cover three defense, single high safety, yeah. and everyone in the league knew it. And they didn't blitz much, and they just said, our Jimmys and Joes are better than yours. Well, that has changed, obviously, and, and Seattle has become much more varied. They blitzed more in the first six games than they did a lot more last, last, last season. Wow. Okay, the Seahawks, a little more than a touchdown favorite on Sunday. Do you think the Seahawks cover the cover the number as a favorite? I do. I, I think they're going to get better offensively by running the ball, and I think they're going to have a lot of success running the ball. And uh, we'll see if the Seattle continues to be as good against the run as they've been this season. But um, the defense, the, the way they're playing defense, is going to keep them in a lot of games, even when their offense is as bad as it was against Cincinnati. They still only lost by four and came within a couple yards of winning that game. So there'll be be major alarms in Seattle if they don't win this game somewhat handily. Okay, you're around Pete Carroll all the time. I'm I'm 66. He's a few years older than me. Uh, Does he have, like, some special energy pills that I can get somewhere? (laughs) I know he eats well. Borderline well, that's, that's, that's my first problem. <laughs> <laughs> he has an off-season home in, in Hawaii's North Shore. That keeps him young and vibrant. Okay. Uh, yeah, he, there are secrets to his success, but uh, no doubt he's been rejuvenated. He's, re- he's overturned the team again. I mentioned how young they are. They have 15 rookies tied for the most in the league. More than 40% of their team are either first or second-year guys, and it has really refreshed him and invigorated him. His message is new to almost half this team. Okay, so I got to eat better and somehow get a home in Hawaii. So, yeah, okay, I got to work on that. I'm sure, yeah, that's probably easy to do. No big deal. 
No big problem. I'll work on that in the, during the next commercial break here. Okay, yeah, thanks, Greg. Oh, oh. <laughs> yeah, like that's going to happen. All right, Greg, good stuff as always. Thanks. Have fun on Sunday. All right, thanks. Happy weekend. Thanks. You too. Greg Bell, Tacoma News Tribune. And I see Pete Carroll, he's at every game he's out there you know, still throwing the ball before the game, and that's another problem I have. I was pretty much done throwing a softball at the age of like 29. I was finished at that point and he's out there chucking it around all the time and the man is Mr. Energy I envy him among other things next segment phone call time 602-260-1060 and also today's local roundup we'll get into at least a little bit of the Diamondbacks and Phillies game three from yesterday and uh, don't know if we can do too much of a preview for today I'm not that surprised that Sanchez is pitching for Philadelphia Philadelphia media seem to be really surprised about that, but I assume that once uh, the Phillies saw what the Diamondbacks were doing against Suarez as far as the lineup, they decided, hey, we're going to go with a lefty again because that lineup seems to be weaker. Uh, that's my guess on that, but we'll see uh, how that works out. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSAM 1060 and KS Lux HD2 100.7. Interact with Bob Kemp's poll question on KDUS1060.com. That's KDUS1060.com. And while you're there, check out Bob Kent's bottom line at KDUS1060.com. It's time for today's local roundup. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7. Okay, I'm uh, trying to you know, you know, redo my diet and I was Look, look, looking for some Hawaii, you know, you know, beachfront property during the break, and uh, to be the next Pete Carroll as far as energy goes. So I'm working on that. All right. In addition to the local roundup, it is phone call time. If you want to get in, if you're on hold already, sit tight. If you're not, you got to hustle up, and we'll get you in this segment. Meanwhile, a little bit uh, from the Diamondbacks yesterday. Um, they didn't do a whole lot differently uh, as far as their offense. Certainly didn't do much of anything differently than we've seen in the first few games, but Brandon Fott sure did. He delivered by far the most impressive performance of his rookie season. Five and two-thirds shutout innings, two hits, zero walks, had a career-high nine strikeouts. The Diamondbacks made an organizational decision before the game that Fott would not face uh, the Phillies lineup going around three times. He was going to face a maximum of 18 hitters no matter what. Um, and and I think that uh, that uh, resulted in some controversy. <laughs> uh, you know, I turned on MLB radio this morning on Sirius XM. That's like the first thing I heard about. Uh, but I also think that they just decided they weren't going to have him face him being fought, face Kyle Schwarber a third time. And I think that decision might have been even if you didn't have the organizational decision before the game to do that, might have still been the same decision because in the previous at-bat, Schwarber blasted a deep foul ball homer. Uh, and uh, that was you know, like a 400-foot home run foul. <laughs> but that probably might have made a difference too. They escaped danger with Andrew Southrunk on the mound, however. You know, he came in and you know, he faced two left-handers and walked them both, uh, Schwarber and Bryce Harper. And uh, you know, basically, they danced around that, and you know, Ryan Thompson, you know, got a uh, 
you know, basically the only run was scored on a very errant sliding a slider by uh, Ryan Thompson. That was the only run that they allowed, as it turned out. All right, we'll get to more, much more in the Diamondbacks during the extra point with Kayla. On the phone lines we go. Matt and Phoenix, what's going on, Matt? Bob, how are you? I'm good. Good. All you have to do to afford that uh, beachfront property in Hawaii is bet Iowa unders every week, and you know you'll be well, there like, in a couple, a couple it's days. It's thirty. There was a thirty and a half yesterday yep. in Las Vegas. I, it's, it's supposed to be really. It's supposed to be really. It's also supposed to be really yep. bad weather in Iowa City tomorrow. Windy, windy. So and, and, that and rain and, and apparently rain. Yeah. So. Um, can't take the over, but certainly I'm, I'm not betting under 30 and a half. Um, <laughs> as far as uh, the Dimebacks go, certainly a uh, hat tip to Brandon Fott, uh, who I think for the first time showed the stuff, command we heard about in the minor leagues, yeah. um, and showed a ton of guts and moxie in a big situation, obviously. Um, I have no issue um, with taking him out uh, when they did. I thought it was the right decision. Um, I did see the mile-long foul ball that Schwarber hit the previous at-bat. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> good thing he was out in front of that one because it may still be going That's for there. sure. Um, it was a, one of those sweepers that sweeped more than even Schwarber thought it was going to sweep. Yes. I don't know if you listen to the broadcast. Um, Ron Darling was on the call. Um, yeah. He mentioned that Sal Frank doesn't throw many strikes, and guys kind of get themselves out against yeah. him, and, and then right away he walks two guys. I thought that was outstanding analysis by uh, maybe I'm a little biased, but by a guy who's an outstanding. Uh, no, I, I think he's guy. good too. Yeah, I think him and uh, I think him and Francoeur are a really good team because you I, know, do. I like I, do agree. I like the broadcast teams that have like a batter and you know a pitcher and a hitter. Uh, yep. That seems to work out quite well. It was really good with – it was even better with Pruszynski and Wainwright during the last series. You get a pitcher and a catcher. I, I was sure. fascinated by listening to those guys talk about at-bats with the, before they actually happened. Absolutely. Um, Astros do it again. This road thing is – yeah. I don't know if it's unbelievable at this point or it's kind of expected, which is probably the unbelievable part <laughs> of it. Um, I thought it was interesting. I thought forgot what inning it was, but – Alvarez almost hit a grand slam, which was a sacrifice fly. And I, I, I watched, um, who was it, Bradford's um, face, facial expressions and body. He kind of, you know, and understandably so, uh, you know, took a deep breath and kind of released the stress of that long fly ball. And I wonder if that kind of affected him in the Abreu at bat, um, kind of yeah. a, a, a emotional or a mental letdown. Um, I'm not sure it would have changed the outcome of the game, but I thought obviously that was the biggest the bad of the game. Yeah, I think it was too. I, I got to be honest, I had a lot of stuff going on trying to follow the end of the football game. I'm trying to watch Diamondbacks post game and trying to formulate my thoughts from that Diamondbacks sure. game. So I didn't quite see the second by second thing there uh, with that at that particular inning for the Astros, but. Uh, yeah, it was uh, like I said, I had a lot going on, so I didn't. Uh, I wasn't watching pitch by. I wasn't watching pitch by pitch at that point. Like I, I wish they would have like an hour break between those two games. <laughs> Bob, have you heard any word on uh, official word on Riley Leonard for uh, you know shockingly the still undefeated Duke Blue Devils in an undefeated matchup here uh, Saturday night in Tallahassee? 
Yeah, it seems like he's not going to play. I mean, they, okay. I know that they said he was, like, doing some practicing. This is kind of like an NFL thing in a way. I mean, I guess limited practice if they actually felt, had an injury report. I don't think he can be counted on to play. Let's put it that way. I wish I wish we knew ahead of time um, because if he – I like – the best case scenario for me is I wish they would declare he's going to play and we knew he was going to try to play – because that number would come down, and I yep. want to take Florida, want to take State, Florida State. State. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of like the game under, um, and I wonder even right. if he does play, um, he, a lot of his success comes from his feet and his ability to, to run. Correct. And that's got to be compromised whether he plays or not. And um, well, I would have I I said for sure, but yesterday I, I did like three minutes with Mark Long from the Associated Press and how you know, Trevor Lawrence wasn't going to run, and he turned out to be their <laughs> leading rusher last night. So I don't know what the hell to think now. I was so okay. I felt like an idiot. I felt like a complete idiot listening and you know, watching the highlights of that game last night yep. because pretty much you know I, I thought the Saints were going to be really good. I'm not a big fan of the Jags. And then we talked all this time about Lawrence. Well, we know one thing for sure. He's not going to be able to run. And all those things were completely wrong. Elko has said uh, publicly his concern is for the long-term health of Riley Leonard. So I kind of lean they play with Louis, you. They play, Louis, they play Louisville next week. That's a huge game. That, that, that is I, a tremendous you know, whoever, whoever wins that game could be in the conference championship game against – against Florida State. Absolutely. Lastly, this Michigan thing, I wanted your comment on it, considering your allegiances to the uh, arch rival. And one of two things I think happens this weekend. This team's distracted, and they you know, don't play as well against a bad Michigan State team who's probably going to put everything on the line in what is their Super Bowl. Or Harbaugh says, all right, you want to you know, come at me, here you go, and they win something like Fifty-six to nothing. So, um, well, Harbaugh to listen, likes to run. Well, Harbaugh likes to run up the score. I mean, we've seen he does, that before all the time. He's yeah. a bully. Yes, he definitely likes that. There's no doubt about it. I'm sure we'd like to kill them and destroy them and run them off the floor and off the field. As far as my opinion on this, uh, I actually think here's what the penalty should be if this is actually these latest allegations are accurate. I think that he should be forced to play without an offensive line on November the 25th against Ohio State. <laughs> not allowed to, not allowed to, not allowed to play any offensive lineman in that game. I would, I wouldn't expect any different of a reaction from a Buckeye fan. I appreciate it as always. Bob. Have a great weekend. Okay, that make sure that Harbaugh's there. They don't suspend him, but you know they couldn't. They can't play with any offensive lineman. None. You can't play if if, if if there's a formation where offensive linemen are on the field. They need to throw the flag immediately. That's the end of the play, and just go backwards. And if you try to do it twice in a row, that's your problem, I guess. But whatever. I'm exaggerating somewhat, but uh, at this point, I seem to be not surprised at all. Uh, anything that uh, you know, Michigan is accused of. <laughs> and, and this has been this thing about you know sending assistant coaches or whoever a scout to a game. Uh, this has been a rule for a really, really long time. So it's not like just was this wasn't just put in last last off season or something. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, it, it seems like there's it's something all the time. <laughs> so, Congratulations, I guess, because they're seemingly getting away with it, quote-unquote. 
All right, coming up next, a news update with Corey. That'll be followed by the conclusion of today's sports um, national roundup time. We'll have a little from the scoreboard last night, a little baseball and a little football. Also, uh, definitely get into the uh, the uh, you know, Verlander against Montgomery. That should be fun today. That was an excellent you know, pitching matchup in game one of this series, but that was in Houston. This is in Arlington. <laughs> the road team, 4-0 and zero in this series. Uh, so uh, we'll get into that a little bit. I have no wagering interest in this game. In Maybe in-game. Definitely going to pay attention to that. Uh, but not as far as uh, pre-game. Uh, so we'll, uh, we'll give you that. And obviously the Diamondbacks game for tonight. Sanchez against Mantiply as the Diamondbacks going with a bullpen game. I assume Nelson was a possibility until he pitched the other night and was awful in that, series, in that uh, game two at Philadelphia. Every Monday night, check out Ray Adams as he hosts the Monday Night Golf and Lifestyle Show from 6 to 7 p.m. here on KDUS AM 1060. It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back. Final segment of today's Sports Show with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7. The Astros are going to have to win a home game at some point in this series. Whether they can actually do that, I have no idea. But Houston pulled even in the ALCS with a 10-3 victory over the Rangers last night. And uh, the defending World Series champion Astros are now 8-1 this season at Globe Life Field. And they've outscored the Rangers in those games 74 to 32. That's amazing. That's in nine games. So you can all do the math how many runs per game, etc. Meanwhile, last night, Jose Altuve, three hits, scored three times in his 100th career playoff game. Jordan Alvarez drove in three runs. He has 13 runs batted in this postseason. And Chaz McCormick, who's not a bad player, uh, should be an everyday player, and he's not. He added a two-run homer last night. All right, so that means we have Game 5 tonight in Arlington. Uh, that's going to be this afternoon, our time, uh, 2 o'clock, just after 2 o'clock. Verlander against Montgomery, rematch of Game 1 of this series, which was won by Montgomery and uh, Texas. And uh, the Rangers are a small favorite, like basically a pick em, uh, as far as this game goes tonight. Total at 8.5, so... Uh, like I said, I have no wagering interest today, but I uh, might get involved during the game. I'm not really sure what I'm looking for to get involved. I'm not going to be – I'm going to be – it's going to be the Astros or nothing uh, for me in this uh, game, but uh, we'll see how it goes and maybe get a uh, you know, get close to a pick em line or maybe lay like a minus 120 if they take the lead or maybe – hopefully it will probably be higher than that. But I can always beg, and I'm really good at that. I'm excellent at begging. Also, the Diamondbacks uh, right after 5 o'clock tonight, shortly after 5 o'clock. Uh, you know, game four. Uh, now they're down just 2-1. to one. And Mantiply will start a bullpen game. I'm assuming he'll pitch likely just one inning. And I wouldn't even be surprised that he may pitch to three guys. Uh, if uh, Let's say that uh, they get through Harper and, and the, the inning is still going on. I wouldn't be shocked if he didn't pitch to the you know Alec Boehm, who I assume is still hitting fourth, even though Boom Boom is having a terrible off season, or excuse me, postseason, I should say. Um, he only I think he has it's like six for thirty something at this point, 
after yesterday, but I assume Mantiply, uh, I'm not even sure he'll get, go through an entire first inning if they get past Harper. Sanchez goes for Philadelphia in this game, I assume because he's left-handed and uh, they, uh, the Phillies prefer that the Diamondbacks throw that right-handed lineup out there that we saw yesterday against Suarez. So that's my guess on that, even though I didn't hear the entire press conference from Rob Thompson yesterday when he announced that uh, that uh, that Sanchez was going to be uh, Sanchez would be the starter. So the Phillies, a 135 or so favorite consensus, uh, at least in Nevada, against the Diamondbacks and Mantiply. The total total in this game sitting at nine and a half. I mentioned yesterday that total going over might be a good idea. That was never. And you know, never going to happen. They could have played like 20 innings and they weren't going to go over nine and a half yesterday. So I'm not going to make that stu- stupid comment today or bet that game. Meanwhile, NFL scoreboard, the Jags won last night because the Saints played worse. That's basically the only way I could put this. Christian Kirk's 44-yard touchdown after a, you know, basically a five-second, you know, five-yard pass, I guess. Not, maybe not even five yards. Uh, the Jags went 31 to 24 in that game last night. Trevor Lawrence, we mentioned, the turned, turned out looked like Lamar Jackson out there. I'm kind of exaggerating a little bit, but he actually led them with 59 yards rushing on one leg and this big, big knee brace, knee brace, I should say. And it was pretty amazing what he did there. The Saints are now three and four, and they're a mess. Needless to say. Uh, watch any of their games, and they are a mess. And there have been few teams uh, that I'm more embarrassed with my preseason selection in any year than I am the Saints this year. All right, that's it for the Sports Zone. Stay tuned. we got plenty more in the next two hours with the Extra Point hosted by Kayla. Thanks for listening, and stay tuned.